so we're back. <clears throat> we're back with how to be rich. So we took a little hiatus. Uh, we did Credo a couple weeks ago, and then last week we had Mother's Day. And so we're back with how to be rich. And so this is our stewardship sermon series to talk about how to be rich, not how to get rich. Right? And it's, it's, it's that because we already are rich, but a lot of times we don't feel rich because rich is a moving target. And so we've learned all of those things. The problem is we don't feel rich, and so we don't act rich that way. And so today we're, we're here to learn about how to be rich in this series. So last time when we talked about, um, we talked about the deceitfulness of riches, kind of how riches can, can grab hold of us and we put our faith and our trust in our riches instead of our faith and our trust in God. We learned um, from Jesus, from Matthew 6, 24, that he said, You can't serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so we learned not to put our hope in our money, in our wealth, but to put our hope in God. And so we, we learned that. We grabbed a hold of it. And so let, let's, let me remind you this morning of the mantra that we've been learning together. You don't have to repeat it this time, but let's, let's be reminded of it. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. But I will not trust in my riches, rather in him who richly provides. And so today, we're going to learn how to actually be rich givers. So we're going to turn to God's word from 2 Corinthians 9, chapter, um, chapter 9, verse 6 through 15. So this morning, let's listen for the word of the Lord. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what has been decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply the increase your, and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in an expression of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that has accompanied your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of your surpassing grace, um, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we praise and bless you this morning. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the amazing generosity that you have given to us, especially in your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord God, we pray this morning that you would send your Holy Spirit, that you would be upon these words that I speak this morning. And, Lord God, Holy Spirit, be in the ears of everyone who hears, that we would have them hear the message you have for us today. It's in Christ's name that we pray. 
Amen. So at the end of that passage, Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, Paul talks about the gifts that we have received um, in all kinds of different ways. And he also talks about the gifts that we will be given if and when we are generous. But what is this indescribable gift that Paul talks about? I think you know what it is. This indescribable gift that, God, that Paul talks about is the gift of Jesus Christ that we've all been blessed with when we receive him as Lord and Savior. And through Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven. We have received forgiveness of our sins. We've been reconciled to God. We, we receive eternal life, and we receive hope of that eternal life in the future, but also hope in this world, in this broken and hopeless world. We receive hope to live as Christ would have us live every day. And in Christ, we've also been given everything else. Every other blessing, every other gift has been given to us in Jesus Christ. Yet, the truth is that that too often we have a hard time letting go of those financial blessings that God has given to us, don't we? Remember what I said a couple weeks ago? How, how difficult, I, I share with you my struggle of, of letting go of that stimulus money that we were given. Of letting go of part of that because I, I felt like it was all mine, all mine to keep and spend. That was the purpose. It was mine to hold on to and to have. And so it was a struggle to let go of some of that money that I felt like was all mine. And so for most people in our country, even, even in the church, That's how we feel about just about everything that we receive. We think it's all for us, it's all ours, and we really struggle with releasing it. Or or at best, it's how most of us act with our money and our wealth, even if we want to be more generous. We struggle with holding on to our wealth. So I've got this cute little video I want you to watch, and it kind of illustrates this point. So, so watch and enjoy. Thanks. Oh, I couldn't. Well, maybe just a bite. Oh, yeah! All right! Don't forget the interest.
brought the pie. Ouch. On average, <clears throat> that video is way too common and way too true. I know I inundated you with some statistics in our first week. Here's some similar ones. So a 2016 study found that the average American today, not yet, just a second, the average American today um, gives only 2.1% of their, of their in income to charitable giving. And Christians didn't do much better in this survey. Christians, on average, gave 2.5%. But what's interesting is that another study in 2013 by the National Center for Charitable Statistics um, says that as income goes up, the percentage of our income that get, is given to charitable things goes down, the percentage. And so this chart um, shows that, and this chart is a 2013 study that compares giving as a percent of AGI, adjusted gross income. And so what you see in this statistic or in this chart is that people who made between 200 and 250,000 gave 2.4% and 2 of their AGI. And when, when, when the income was lower, at forty-five to 50000 they gave 4% of their AGI. And what's not on here but um, was in the study as well is those who, who earned less than $10,000 gave 5.2% of their income, um, of their AGI, to, uh, to charitable things. And those in the category between $5 million and $10 million range gave three, only still kind of only raised up to 3.7. It wasn't until you hit over $10 million that your percentage really went higher. Now, granted that if you're at 3.7% of $10 million, that's $370,000 given away. And so it, it feels like a very large number, and it is a large number, but the percentage is still considerably small. It's still 200 times smaller than the people in, the, in the, the bottom category. So here's the thing. None of us likes to be below average. And it's not too hard to be below average, or it's not too hard to be above average in, in when you look at statistics like this. But think about it for a, a moment. None of us likes to be below average in anything that we do. I mean, how many of you kids strive to be a D student? That wouldn't go very well in your house, would it? Yeah, no, no students strive to be a D student, below average student. That's not what we, we strive for. But the truth is we're, we can't be above average in everything. There's some things that we're above average in. There's some things that we're below average in. We have different gifts and skills. But the question is, which things are we above average in and which things are we below average in? And so my question this morning for you in this category is to think about what are the things that you are above average in? We're above average in lots of things. 
How many above average shoppers do we have? Yeah. I mean, so above average shoppers, you, you search for the deals, you do the research, you read the reviews, um, you really know how to save, and in fact, you, you save so well that you can't afford to save anymore. Get that? So some of us are above average in shopping, some of you are above average hunters. Now, I don't know anything really about hunting, but uh, I hear hunters talk about, yeah, I fill my, my freezer with, with venison, right? Fill my freezer with venison, and, and I wonder to myself, I wonder how much that venison actually costs. And that ground beef ven- or ground venison meat maybe costs 20 bucks a pound after all said and done. I don't know. But anyway, some of us are above shoppers, some of us are above hunters, and, and some of us right here are above child indulgers. Above average child indulgers. Yeah. Some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you? Uh, the other day I was sitting out front and, and Josh drove up and he got out of the car and I said, pretty nice car there, dude. As he's driving Nancy's uh, Mazda 3 with black wheels and, you know, low profile tires. And yeah, and, and it's all because he doesn't want to know or he doesn't know how to drive a stick so he can drive the little Corolla. And so here he is driving around in the Mazda 3, this beautiful new car that we got a couple years ago. And this week he got a new job. That was one of my answers to prayer that I didn't share this morning. But he got a new job on Monday. And he had to get up early, earlier than he is when he does DoorDash in the evening, right? And so he gets up early. And so who gets up to make sure he's up? The child indulger. So get up, I got up at 5 o'clock to make sure he's up early, made him breakfast, made his lunch for him to take. Now that's not, you know what, don't, don't talk to him about this because he hates it when I say this kind of stuff and then you guys all talk to him, give him a hard time. So just keep that to yourselves. It won't stay like that. But we are, we are just above average child indulgers. Some of you are above average vacationers or weekenders or home improvers. And some of you are above average gardeners or moviegoers or sports bettors. You notice all the online sports betting stuff? Draft, all this stuff. It's just, it's crazy. Some of you are incredibly above average in fantasy football picks. Some of you are, I don't know if you guys are like this, but some of you are above average gamers. Video gamers? Maybe? Yeah? We're above average in lots of things, folks. We truly are. We're above average in lots of things, but, but we are so often above average in the things that don't honor God. We're above average in the things that don't necessarily honor God. And so today's question is, Why did God make you rich? We already acknowledge that we are rich. But why did God make us rich? If we we observe ourselves and if we observe others, even Christians, it it would be if we're in our observation mode, it would be that God made us rich so that we could buy more or get more or just simply consume more if we are watching our behavior. Rarely, I think, in this country would anyone say, I've been made rich so that I could give more. You just probably wouldn't get that out of people. But if instead of 
looking and observing our behavior, if we instead look to God's word for the answer to that question, why did God make us rich, we see something very different. So 2 Corinthians, Paul says to the Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 11, he says, So you will be made rich in every way, so that. You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Imagine that. Imagine if people saw us saw you and said, I praise God for you because you are just an amazingly generous person. And maybe that does, in fact, happen in your life. I thank God for his people because they are so generous beyond belief. God's word says, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God, to the glory of God. That's what our, our richness is supposed to bring in other people. Just this joy and this thanksgiving to God for who he is and how he's blessed them through us. So why are we rich? One of the big reasons that we're rich is so that we will give more, so that we can give more. So this morning we're going to add something to our mantra. We're going to add something to our mantra this morning. So here we go. Here's the first part of it. Let's see. There we go. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. But I will not trust in my riches, rather in him who richly provides. And here's the addition. Because I have more, I will give more. Because I have more, I will give more. And that's how we, we can be rich. That's how to be rich in a way that honors God. Is to give more. To give how we've been blessed. And to continuously seek to give more. So the second question, if the first question is, why did God make us rich? And the answer is to, to be generous, to give more. The second question is, how can we learn to actually do it? How can we actually learn to give more? And that's a little harder than it looks because we've already acknowledged that because of our sinful nature, we're selfish, we're just naturally selfish. That's built into us because of the brokenness of the world. Because of sin, we are selfish people. We don't naturally want to give more. We naturally want to keep more for ourselves. And that's why I was having such a hard time releasing some of that stimulus money and to give it away. We want to increase our wealth because we tend to, to trust our wealth instead of trusting God. And so... If we are to give more and to be generous people, we have to be intentional about it. Intentionality is the way that we become rich people to honor God and to give more. To actually be rich, we need to be intentional people about our, our richness and about our giving instead of being intentional consumers. So, not to beat you up anymore or meet me up anymore, but... We are, in fact, intentional consumers, aren't we, in so many ways. I mean, we plan, we scheme, we do all kinds of financial gymnastics to, in order to consume more, in order to get the next thing on our list, don't we? You know what I'm talking about? 
that kind of planning, scheming, working at it, and all different ways to get the next thing to consume. I mean, talk to me about credit card points. And I'll tell you about scheming and conniving and manipulating and making the system work so I can get more to consume more. But Paul said in verse 7, each person should give what he has decided to give in his heart, not out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And friends, the only way we can truly be cheerful is if we're intentional about our giving, if we think about it in advance, if we plan on how we can give more instead of just simply consuming more. And so I think there are are two parts to this idea of of intentional giving. Part one is intentional givers give to God what belongs to God. Can you hear that? Intentional givings intentional givers give to God what belongs to God. And the truth is, it all belongs to God. But what has God actually just required of us? What has God asked of us to give back, to return to him? What, is he, what percentage? Yeah, God has said, you will give back 10%. And what do we call that? We call that a tithe. Intentional givers, cheerful givers, plan on tithing to God, giving back to God what God has, has already given to us. We call it a tithe. And the tithe is, is all through the Bible, but it, it started all the way back in Genesis. Genesis. In Genesis. In Genesis. In, Gen- in Genesis. All the way in, in Genesis chapter, uh, I think, 14 with Abram, even before his name was changed to Abraham. And, and he, he wins a battle, and there's plunder, and there's, there's great blessing. And, and Melchizedek, this priest of God, comes out, and, and Abraham says, I will give you 10% of everything. 10% of everything, the tithe. From then on in the Bible, the tithe is always considered first fruits. Not last fruits, as the video showed us, but first fruits. God calls us to tithe off the top from the beginning, from the very start of the first fruits of everything that we receive. So in the Bible, every, every, uh, every crop that came in, every plunder that was received, every paycheck that came in, a first fruit was the first 10% off the top. Because what that 10%, that tithe off the top, that first fruit is doing, it's telling God and it's telling us that we trust God with our finances. We trust God with all that we have. That we are willing to trust him enough to give him the first fruits, the first 10%. Craig Rochelle says this. We can do more with 90% and God's blessing than we could ever do with 100% on our own. I want you to listen to that. We can do more with 90% and God's blessing than we could ever do with 100% on our own. And friends, I have come to believe that statement as true and actually know that it's true in my life as I have lived this out over the years and over all kinds of circumstances, trials and school and everything else to give first fruits to God and he will bless the rest of the 90%. But giving to God intentionally takes trust in God to believe that God will, will actually use that 90% for everything that we need and even give us the opportunity to give more after that. And so intentional giving, giving the tithe, reverses that video that we just saw. It, it's reverse of that video. I'm already almost done with time. but So we're going to reverse that video this morning. So... I've got a nice apple pie. And what 
intentional givers do, and first fruits, the idea of first fruits is the idea of taking the pie and cutting 10% out of the pie from the very beginning for God. And giving it to God and then leaving the other 90% for us to use for all of our other expenses. And when we are intentional and ask for God's blessing over the 90%, even after we've doled it all out, there's still margin left when we are intentional givers about what we do and what we give and being intentional about creating opportunity to give more. That we take that first 10% for God. Ben, you can have that. And so God leaves us margin because the second part of intentional giving is that intentional givers go even beyond the tithe. The tithe is, is the portion of first fruits that gives to God that, that we are called to give to our church to, for God's purposes in the world and his church is his beacon in the world to bring good news to the world through his church, through the congregation, through the preaching of the word, through the sacraments, through baptism, through the Lord's Supper. The church is to receive that first 10%. But intentional givers go beyond the tithe and give even more. Paul says to the Corinthians in chapter, in chapter 8, the chapter just before what we read this morning, he says, since you excel in everything. What he's saying to them, you are above average in all these other things, you're above average in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, in love. See that you are also will excel in the grace of giving. That you'll be above average givers. We are above average in, in so many things. Can we also be above average givers in being intentional by being intentional givers and giving more? to the things that God wants to do in the world, more to those who need God's help. And the best way for us to be intentional givers is for us to also be percentage givers. Now, the truth is, if, if, you've, if you've been an average giver or a below average giver, that means you're giving 2.5% or less uh, it, it just to charitable things, including the church. If you've been a, a, an average giver or below average giver, it probably will take you a little bit of time, a little bit of intentionality, a little bit of work to get up to the tithe, to get to the place of 10%. I want to challenge you, if you've been an average giver, to simply go cold turkey and start taking that 10% and giving it to God and see what God will do. Now, we're not going to all be able to be there. So work up percentage-wise up to the 10%. But then to be a giver beyond 10%, to go beyond the tithe, a percentage giver says, I'm giving 10%. And the truth is, if you've been giving 10%, if you've been giving a tithe for a long time, the tithe has become easy. It's become like you hardly even notice it. Because God has blessed the other 90%. It's not even a chore. It's not even difficult. You can be a cheerful giver. And it's awesome and it's amazing. But it's truly become easy to give a tithe. And in order to be an above average, an above tithe giver, to be an intentional giver and give more, will take additional work. And so to also use that as a percentage, if you're giving the tithe, then maybe you consider with your spouse and you talk about it and you say, next year let's give an extra percent to something else. 
And, and maybe a year after that, you say, now let's add another. And so you go to, to, to 11%, 12 and 13%, and you're giving the tithes of the church, and you're giving other gifts to other things as well by giving 1%, 2 3% and more over the tithe. And that takes intentionality, that takes work, that takes carving out and making those other pieces of the pie smaller in order that you can give more to God and the things that he wants to do in the, in his, in the world. We have a family in our church who a number of years ago decided that they were going to give more. And so they set up a, a fund, an account, where they decided we're going to take another percentage of our income over and above the time. We're going to put it over here in this account. And from that account, when God presents things, whether it's in the church or outside of the church, in the community that we want to give to, that we feel like God's prompting us to, we can take that extra money, that, that beyond the tithe money, and give to those other things. That's how that family has become intentional about giving more. And so our mantra then again today is simply to be intentional givers, and we do it this way. We recognize, say it with me this time, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. But I will not trust in my riches, rather in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more. Amen. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for amazing blessings, the indescribable gift that you have given us in Jesus Christ. And Lord, just because of that indescribable gift and everything else that he gives to us, Lord, let us be generous givers. Let us be givers who are intentional about giving to your work and to your church and then be intentional about moving toward additional giving to give more because we have, because we have more because we've been blessed with more, because we intentionally reduce some of our other expenses in our life so that we can fulfill what God has called us to be, rich givers. So Lord, just bless this congregation as you have in the past. Continue to move us forward to be givers who are rich and generous in our giving. Bless each person as they go out into the world, into their communities, into their homes, into their schools, in order to touch people's lives with their generosity that's been given to them first by God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we ask your blessing upon this message and this time. In Jesus' name.